Jason, I, I just want to say this. I survived a Michigan escape room. What is that? So I don't, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of regional. I think most of them are in Michigan. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that for sure. So if anybody on Twitter wants to refute us for that claim, go go ahead. But I'm pretty sure most of them are in Michigan. But basically a Michigan escape room is this this kind of game that you play with about six to eight of your friends. And you go to these places and they have rooms set up. And inside the room, each one has like a different theme that goes along with them. And each each theme goes along with the story. And the story, depend depending on what room you're in, basically says like, so one of them was that I did was called the, C- the CDC. And basically there was a, a virus that was going to leak out of this, uh, the center of disease control. And you had to find the antidote before the time ran out. Otherwise, it would get released into the world and it'd kill everybody. Isn't that like on the episode of Parks and Rec? Didn't they set up like a... Yeah, kind of like that. But the, the whole idea is you have to solve inside the room that you're in. There's all these different puzzles and things that you have to figure out in order to find the antidote. Or we did one where we had to escape uh, somebody that abducted us. And we had an hour to solve all these puzzles and these different uh, riddles and whatnot in order to escape. And the first time I ever did this, failed miserably. Yeah. We got through about the the because uh, you have a moderator that's watching you the whole entire time, and basically they'll 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 say something over the TV screen like, "Hey, no, that's not part of your puzzle," or "You already solved that one. Go to something else." And they told us like you got through about eighty percent of all the the riddles and puzzles and clues and whatnot. You didn't you didn't even come close. I was like, ah, oh, dang it! But the second time I went, I did a completely different style room, and my crew, we made it out. We escaped the room with three minutes left. Now I will say this: the escape room that we the escape room business that we went to and participated in, they have a seventeen percent success rate. People actually escaping their rooms is 17 percent. that's nuts dude so what what was the scenario so i can't go into much detail because i'm sworn to secrecy oh really but this is the one where i got abducted and so you get abducted and there's you you you're in a room with you know six to eight people and this is this is a team that you pick or it's your friends like we were there for our friend's birthday party that's what they wanted to do on their birthday was do this escape room and we had to solve different puzzles, different word puzzles. We had to use things in the room. The room was set up in a specific way. Like you're stuck in this like like abandoned house. That's, it, the way it's designed is like you're stuck in this abandoned house that somebody's holding you hostage in. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I can't go any more into that. Otherwise, I'll be giving away major yeah. details. But if you live in the Northeast... Find a Michigan, or they're not called they're not called Michigan escape rooms. Just find an escape room, take your friends there. It's the most fun you'll have. It's it's an hour of your time, and then trust me, it, memories to last a lifetime. Well, Jason, I'm 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 glad you made it out safe and sound. Yeah, I'm glad because, I'm here today. Yeah, I mean because I could share with you that our Twitter was going nuts today, man. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, it started the holy heretics like they um, again thank God you're alive, but <laughs> they, they, uh, cause I don't know how to do the show without you. Um, I'm actually, sure you can find somebody. I have a There's... contingency plan. We'll talk about that later. Okay. But no, <laughs> no, they, uh, they posted us. Somebody was asking, Hey, what other 
you know, kind of podcasts like the liturgists and, you know, they named a few are out there and the Holy Heretics listed a bunch and we were in there. I was like, Hey, we should start a podcasting network. And then our Twitter proceeded to go nuts all day long. Wow. Of working on a podcasting network for all of us little so, uh, Christian reconstructionists, reconstruction podcast, whatever you want to call them. The, the podcasts are unafraid uh, to ask the big questions. Push the boundaries, if you will. Say the words <laughs> that your pastor may not be able to say. Uh, yeah, all those types of podcasts. So that could be a thing. That's pretty exciting. I have a couple names, but I'm going to I'm going to hold them back. I'm yeah. not going to say them yet. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait till more things develop. But you know, Jason, I'll have it in a spreadsheet before you know it. Yeah, you love organization, dude. Speaking of spreadsheets, yeah, the, uh, Carrie, I'll yes. just say her first name. She reached out to us on Facebook and left us a whole bunch of feedback, and she wrote it in an outline form, which you love, like bullet points. And I responded back to her bullet points with and, more bullet points. Yeah. The bullet points, love them. But thank you for your nice words, Carrie. And then Bros, Bibles, and Beer, because uh, we had our masculinity episode. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and we posted like, a picture of Tom Selleck with his shirt open. Great photo. All, I will say this. All I could think about was he dated Monica. <laughs> I know. In Friends. That's what I kept thinking of, too. <laughs> it always comes back to Friends. But they said on Twitter, they said, this pick is making one of us stumble. Oh. <laughs> It's uh, hilarious. He's a handsome. He's a handsome fella, there, Jason. Uh, yeah, he, Much like you he, and me. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I would put myself at a Tom Selleck level, but I, anyway, I you know Planet Fitness. I'm gonna get there. <laughs> but, hey, oh, go uh, ahead. No, you. Okay. Yeah. So, Jason, you know we have we have a lot of fun here mm-hmm. at Not Your Pastors Podcast. We we joke. We do skits. It's a real fun time. Yeah. But. There are times when it is time to get serious. Yeah. We, and it is time to ask the hard questions and not do it in like a joking way. Yeah. And that that is where we're finding ourselves today. Uh, we just got done recording an interview with Laura Pruno. Mm-hmm. And if, if our listeners remember, uh, if you go back to our pulpit, uh, not your pastor's pulpit number seven... Yes. She tells her story. And actually, we're going to include it in this episode yep. for you guys to listen to, to get, give some more context to the talk uh, that we had with her. But man, so powerful, so real. And it's it, the words that she says, I think, are things that all of us in the Christian, the world the world of Christendom need to hear. Yeah, she, she wanted to come on our show and let us ask the hard questions that you don't want to ask. But we asked, and she answered, and just filled us with so much hope and encouragement. And that's what I I hope this podcast is a hope and encouragement to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we could sit around here and try and convey the words for this, but it's better if we just let Laura do that. So, this is not your pastor's hope episode.
Hey, everybody. We're here today with Laura Pruno. Did I say your last name right? You did. Congratulations. Awesome. You kind <laughs> of got like this... Um, well, we're from Michigan. Well, you're from Illinois, right? I am from Illinois, but it does not matter what part of the world you come from. You're going to butcher my name 99% of the time. So I do say congratulations with amusement. So Well, I think the only, the only reason I know how to pronounce your name is because of hockey. And oh, there's a lot of French Canadians. So I don't know what your heritage is. French Canadian. Is. <laughs> I know where you're going with that. See? So yeah, like uh, Mario Lemieux or Keith Primo. It's kind of got that same that same spelling, but yeah. All those years of looking at hockey cards have really paid off, Jason, for your pronunciation. I, yeah, I yeah, it definitely has. So. Uh, Laura, you're on the show today because, well, you you wanted to be one, but um, you had a sermon on Not Your Pastor's Pulpit. You sent us a sermon pretty early on, and for our listeners, it's number seven. You can go back and listen to Laura's sermon, and your sermon, it still sits with me almost every single day. I don't know about you, Alex, but it's just, it's constant. I, I, I think of it often. I will say that. I don't think about it every day, but I think about it often. And I think about where I was when I heard it for the first time. Because I heard it, I heard the unedited version first in my car. And yeah, it's really it's really hard to drive and cry at the same time. Yeah. I know I know when we got your sermon in, Laura, I my wife and I were sitting on the couch and it just happened we got flooded with like four or five sermons for our pulpit pop project. And yours was one of them and it was the last one we listened to and my wife and I we we just bawled our eyes out hearing your story uh there's something so sweet and humbling about that all in one because my story is nothing special but my story is full of new and ingenious ways to hope well the, th- the thing is is you gave me a, like a perspective of Jesus from your sermon that it's not like I, I don't know. It's not like I hadn't heard it before, but when I heard it in conjunction with your story, I just thought, how amazing is God? How good is God? How awesome is Jesus? He is real. Like it gave me all this comfort and hope. And the next day, cause we listened to that on a Saturday night. Um, I, I went to church on the next day and I, it was like church was completely different. <laughs> It was just like this, uh, for me, it was just like, holy cow, like God's here, God's real. And uh, this is a thing. (laughs) And and you, I mean, you kind of bring that up in your sermon when you you talk about this kind of fake Jesus that we're raised with and this actual real Jesus that touches our life in different and profound ways. Yeah, I have. Like I said in there, it's, I grew up because, oh, this is a faith you're supposed to have because your parents take you to church and this is what you do. It's just what's expected. Yeah. And hearing you say what you have about the podcast that I recorded and all that, it's, it's, um, it comes in really good timing because you mentioned God's timing and how God works and the fact that he's real. The fact that... <laughs> I can encourage myself with my own words months later. <laughs> That's now, awesome. It's just, I've been struggling with my own faith and just with a lot of things. And to hear you say what you've said. So before we go any further, 
Here's a clip from Laura's sermon from pulpit number seven. In 2013, my beautiful four-year-old daughter was diagnosed with what we come to know as a -a one-of-a-kind brain cancer. A cancer so rare that it's literally one-of-a-kind in the entire world. Not the kind of lottery we were hoping for. It was a blow in about every way. Life as we knew it would never be the same. In those very early days, I had to decide something. Trust God or not. I opted for the version where I committed to memory these things. Three very important things. God is still God. God is still good. And no matter what, He is still in control. I committed those to memory and to my heart. I had to fall back on that many, many times as she so, so very courageously fought and battled this aggressive cancer. At the moment, however, where we heard, where we heard the words, there's nothing more we can do. There are no more medical options left. It was at that moment that all I believed was called into question. I either believed it or I didn't. We'd soon find out that answer. As my daughter completed that medical treatment, all bets were off. Yes, my faith remained, but I also had to face that without a miracle from God himself, from him alone, that my daughter was going to die. And well, she did. I, I had the honor and surreal experience of holding her as she breathed her final breaths the side of heaven. It was simultaneously the most beautiful and heart, well, heart-shattering moments of my entire life. She died, and I couldn't save her. But what gave my heart solace was that Even though, at seven years old, she knew she was dying, she wasn't afraid. She had an innocent and a precious faith. She knew her Jesus and was excited with the prospect that she was getting ready to meet him. She would receive the ultimate healing. To me, though, there was sadness because it didn't happen as I wanted on this side of heaven. It felt as if life was being drained from me and like part of me died when she did. As that was busy happening, you might ask where Jesus was. Where was my Jesus now? He was holding, sorry, he was holding my daughter and that brought so much strength. I'd be lying though if I told you that strength was the only emotion I felt. I felt a lot of things. I felt entirely too much, if I'm being honest. In the months that have followed her death, it's felt at times like I had to learn to breathe again. 
like I had to continuously tell my heart to beat again. I had to work through some deep thoughts and feelings with regards to the Jesus I knew and now know. I didn't blame God for her death, but I was hurt. I was hurt that he didn't lift a finger to save her either. Then, I went back to the truths I once made the decision to commit to my heart and head. I had to decide if I ever truly believed my own words and thoughts about God. I did, and I still do. The Jesus I know may not look the same as he once did, but he's absolutely more real to me. I can now see his hand in damn near everything I've walked through from early in my life through now. The true strength isn't in some fairy tale version of Jesus. Nope. The strength comes in community, in the ways that people reach out as the hands and feet of Jesus in human form. That Jesus is the epitome of love. Love played out, love supporting and surrounding us, and helping me while holding my hand as I put one foot in front of the other and keep walking. When I don't feel like I have the strength to keep going, it's that love that shows me who Jesus really is. No, he's not some fairy tale dude up in the sky. He's all around us, though, and shows himself when other when others take time to just be with us, to sit with us in our pain, and to just be real. When I realized that it's okay to not be okay, and that there's no shame in reaching out for help, it was then and only then that I saw Jesus, I saw the Jesus that I've come to know. It's only then that healing is and was able to penetrate some very broken places in my heart. Though I have lived through hell on earth in a lot of different ways and a lot of different times in my life, I have come to know a very real love and a very real Jesus. Yes, the pain will come. Yes, I'll walk through things in this life that hurt. There's no escaping that. But thankfully, I know that I'll never do it alone. And neither will you. The love the Jesus I know can be the Jesus you know, regardless of how you feel about any certain version of Jesus that you may or may not even know, regardless of any of that. Take my hand. I offer love and friendship wherever you are, whoever you are, and however you got to where you are today. Never give up ever. Please stay. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is to provide some encouragement for our listeners, because I know we, we had a situation in our church just recently where not the same exact situation, but a young couple lost their daughter. And our, our, uh, our pastor, he was, uh, he was down at the hospital every single day and he's, he's giving the sermon there at our church and he's, he's, 
he's in tears and he's like i what's so frustrating is you know god does miracles and god could save this child but he chose not to and that's something you brought up in your sermon um what was what 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 is that like I can't I can't begin to imagine that struggle and if you're, if you're willing to walk us through that yeah um well first I'll address the idea of faith in the middle of the fact that you know that God is capable of healing your child and he doesn't always do it um cuz that was a big deal for me especially when she died I didn't lose my faith but I questioned a lot of things um I thankfully never got, oh, I did get mad at God, but not mad at God in a way that, you know, I never blamed God for my daughter's death. I never blamed him for giving her cancer because he didn't do it. But what I finally figured out months after she died, what was holding me back in my faith was I was more hurt that he didn't lift a finger to to heal her um because we all know he could have yeah we don't know why he didn't and to this day i know i'm never going to this side of heaven i'm not going to have that answer but what i can tell you is something i also mentioned on my podcast was at the very beginning of her journey i committed three things to my brain into my heart. I said, God is still God. God is still good and he's in control. And I truly did. And I, to this day, have to decide, do I believe that? Did I ever? Because God doesn't change. And that has been one thing that has grounded me and in my faith is I don't know why she wasn't healed. I have seen people be healed. I have seen things happen, but why not my daughter? I don't know. Where does that leave God? It leaves him exactly where he's been this whole time, holding us all. That that is the single most line that stays from your from your sermon that just stays planted in my brain because <laughs> I know when I'm going through a difficult situation uh, and I I know so many of our listeners too it's like okay, where are you God? Where are you Jesus? What the hell is going on with life right now? And now after hearing your sermon, I'm like, I know exactly where Jesus is at. He's, he's holding Laura's daughter and not just Laura's daughter, but he's all over the place holding children and loved ones and family members across the globe and it just that's that's why i said when i went to church the next day it was like holy crap no god god is real (laughs) jesus is real it is it's so powerful and here here's the thing that this this laura story and just this this whole idea of who our god is is just so incredible to me that when I hear, when I hear the perspective of well, and maybe you heard this too, Laura, and if you did, I'm so sorry. But like, there's some really bad theology out there 
like <laughs> it's we can giggle about it, but we've all heard it like, well, if you didn't get the thing that you asked for, that means you didn't have enough faith. Oh, that's bullshit. I, I know very, very recently. And did you punch him? I would have if it was in person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was online and it was actually on a live broadcast on social media. And that person ate their words. Um, Good. Yeah. Because that is the single most. There are so many things I could say that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But that is one of those things that for a split second I can think, oh, should I have prayed more? There's not an ounce more prayer mere that thousands of other people praying for my daughter could have done. So that is as eloquently as whoever said it was bullshit is. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, I've heard that before. I'm like. You can't honestly believe that, dude. And he he honestly did. And I was like, what you just explained to me was a more sincere form of faith than the the faith that he was talking about, as if God's God's movement was dependent upon us. And that's not how God works. And it's just incredible to me that that there's that theology floating around there. I don't I don't know how we kill it. I think the, one of the ways we kill it is by sharing this story. And saying, and basically saying, like, no, that is a complete falsehood. That, despite the fact that the the very thing that you prayed for, the very thing that you wanted, was your daughter to be healed, and that God didn't lift a finger, doesn't mean He's not God anymore. And I think that takes an incredible amount of faith to say that. Like, it it, it, it honestly reminds me of Job when Job, like, when Job had lost everything, and he still said, "God, well, God is my God." Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. You are, but it, and it does take every ounce of my being to say it, to believe it, and I wouldn't say it otherwise. That's the whole deal. It's one of those, I didn't know if I could honestly say that for a long time. I didn't know what I believed anymore for an amount of time um, because I failed to see God as that good, good father. I saw him, I even questioned his existence. Um it didn't take long to figure that one out, but it was one of those things that our pain is so blinding at times that we can't see the things that we even know are there. Hmm. And I, I ran into that and I still do. Um, but it's for me, it's having the faith that simply knows that he is there, even if I can't see him. Yeah, in a way, um, you almost reduce it back down to that childlike faith. <laughs> that is, that is so awesome. So I feel like, um, I feel like we're actually being discipled by your daughter in this moment, like learning some incredibly amazing, powerful lessons from her. I know you can't see through the air, but that puts a smile on my face just thinking about that because her mantra, especially at the end of her days, was that we, she said, I hope that people aren't sad when I'm gone. I know they will be, but please tell people to remember the love. And that whole remember the love thing has it speaks about kind of what you just said. It keeps, it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, loving people and loving God. 
that's profound. So I, I always go back to this story in in uh, Matthew's gospel when John the Baptist is is in prison and he's he asks, you know, he tells his disciples to go ask Jesus, is he really the Christ or should they look for somebody else? I mean, this is John the Baptist, right? So this is this is the guy, right? And he yeah. even has this moment of doubt and he's he's losing his faith. He's he's in prison. He's going to die. And Jesus's words to him were you need to have more Jesus's words weren't you need to have more faith or you need to pray this prayer or anything like that. Jesus's words were remember what Isaiah said about me. And basically pointing him back to this is this is the works of the Christ. And this is the these are the things that the Christ will do. And when I think when I think about your story, like in in the midst of all this hurt and the doubt the doubt that you experienced, like the only hope that we can cling to is who our Christ is and who our Savior is. And that despite like I said, despite the fact that we're in this in, in the darkness, like if we just stop for a second and think about that, of who our God is there's there's a little glimmer of hope. Does that make sense? More, um... It does make sense, and it is absolute truth. Um, because without going too deep and too dark, it's one of those things that there have been times where I've questioned wanting to live, wanting to be alive, and that is the one thing, if absolutely nothing else, is knowing who God is and what his promises are for us that keep me grounded in an amount of faith that said, keep walking, you know, that simply says, keep hope alive. And that glimmer of hope that you mentioned, that's sometimes the biggest thing, <laughs> the biggest thing ever, <laughs> you know, it's, it keeps us going. And I know that's kind of deep, but it's one of those things that it's my life. And it's hard to really say that out loud as I'm sitting here listening, but it's one of those things that I think if people could just get a hold of, like we've said before, who God is and what his promises for us are, then there would be a whole lot more hope in in our lives and through our stories. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was talking to a woman at our church who worked in the hospital for years and who worked with um, cancer patients. And she said that year after year, it was those who had faith um, in God on some level. It was, it was those who persevered the best through it, whether they recouped or whether it was a loss. I lived that life for three years with my daughter fighting cancer alongside her more time than not in the hospital. And I would look, I would connect with people. Um, and I couldn't imagine, and I still can't, I cannot even comprehend walking through any journey, but let alone one of this magnitude without faith. I cannot comprehend how people do it and live to tell about it. Yeah. So I don't think I can either. Like I'm, 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 well, I'm really, I'm struggling for the words right now. Yeah. So am I, but I'm, recalling like tough situations in my own life and like you're saying Laura it's 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 almost like that that one last thing you have to cling to and it's a good thing (laughs) it's a good thing God's good that is it simplified in a very small yet gigantic nutshell God is good 
And if that's all you have to cling to, it's enough. Yeah. So I kind of want to ask this question because, um, I mean, this, this is, this is this, the state of your, of your life at this point. So Mm -hmm. ah, I I feel like I'm going to cry just saying this because it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things that just, so what is Laura's life look like? What, what happened after Janet went home and what, what were some of the things that you've seen God work after that? Because I mean, we, we, we've said it before, like God didn't lift a finger, but this, the story isn't over. Uh, when Janet went home, it's continuing and this, this is your life now. So what are the things that you've seen God do since that point? And what are some of the things that you can maybe say to our listeners to say, Hey, if you see somebody struggling and, uh, they're going through a situation where they lost somebody extremely close, whether a child, a family member, or a friend, these are some of the things that you should not do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You should stop asking six different questions in one. <laughs> and then I stand a chance. So let's, let's start off with the, let's start them. off with the good. Let's start uh, off with the good. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was funny. <laughs> it was really good. How has life changed since Janet went to heaven? I will tackle that one because it's easy. Because like you said, this is our life now. Um, One thing I can tell you is I, together with my family, have made a lot of conscious decisions to be intentional with our time. Our... uh, I've been married now 16 years and to be able to not become a statistic um, has been a tremendous effort, but also. um, Is that the uh, separation statistic after a loss of a child? Separation, divorce. Yeah, it skyrockets when you lose people. But when you lose a child and when you fight cancer, there's just a lot of different factors that go into that. But Um, and we didn't have a perfect marriage prior to any diagnosis diagnosis, and it's not perfect now. It's just real and it's being able to communicate. And I think that's the biggest deal I could tell people is never stop talking, never stop communicating, be it with your spouse, loved ones, God. Um, but that is just kind of a side note is communication is, is huge. Yeah. That's some solid wisdom right there. But something else I've seen is in my own family, I have two boys and they're now 12 and 15. And the sheer amount of compassion and empathy that they have learned and have grown into through this whole thing has been phenomenal in my eyes. Um, Each of them handled her death differently, but they've both learned to not be okay with it so much as live and allow others to help hold, you know, us as we hurt, you know, and well, recently we've had all sorts of ways to see God in action between one of my 15 year old was talking with a friend who turns out was having suicidal thoughts and he explained kind of where he's been and some of his thoughts and they both figured out together, Hey, look, we're not freaks in this whole, you know, thing, having problems basically in, in his words. And it's one of those, but to see my kids 
hurting, but being able to have, like I said before, this empathy and compassion unlike I have ever seen before, especially in a child. And I think that's born from tragedy, but it lives with love. And it's a blessing for me. I mean, you've got to find the, it's like you go digging through the haystack with the pair of tweezers to find that one good thing sometimes, you know, and it's, for me, there's a thousand good things to focus on, but that doesn't mean the pain's not still very real. Laura, you mentioned in your sermon that you got to experience um, your community and your loved ones around you kind of be the hands and feet of Jesus for you. And you got to experience Jesus through community. What, what did that look like? To me, it looked like when life was falling apart and when things were crumbling all around me and I didn't know if I could take another step it looked like someone holding my hand and said we got this let's do this together sometimes the simple things like just a phone call that says hey I'm thinking of you hey how is she before she passed and then just simple things like hey you want to get coffee just helping people feel human helping people feel okay when life is everything but okay that is where community comes in. I mean, there were so many different ways and people did a lot of little things and big things alike that showed us Jesus' love. And it wasn't some gigantic voice from heaven. It's just, I'm here. Let me sit with you in this pain. Or here, let me help you with housework. Just little things are the big things. And that's what we found out is love comes in so many shapes and sizes but sometimes a simple how are you and actually listening and hearing what they have to say can mean the most to a person who's hurting that's awesome and and what i love about it is you don't need some sort of bible degree or theological <laughs> training or seminary or x number of church years experience under your belt to do that God has built that into the very image of humanity. He has. And I, the one thing I can tell you that our pastor at the time said was, there is no one in our church who had faced an illness of this kind. They, haven't, they had not had a, a person fight cancer or have any illness that, of this magnitude, let alone have a church member die. So my daughter was the first, and that's not, a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing. But what they said was, we don't know what this picture looks like, but we're going to do it with you. Mm. And that's awesome. It was awesome. Didn't always work out that way, but that was not part of this (laughs) yet. (laughs) Well, let's let's make it, let's make it part of the conversation. So I just went there Yeah. (laughs) and smooth transition. All right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) what are some things in this situation that we should not do? Well, one thing I could tell you 
Christian or not, one thing you should not do is tell someone, I'm here for you if you don't mean it. Mm. Oh, man. That's... Or the politically correct way of saying, grow a pair and tell you, tell me that they've. Sorry, that one needs to be edited. But. Um... <laughs> I like it. No, it's good. We just did a masculinity episode. So if you want to say, grow a pair, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing it is, is when people suddenly. I mean, there were a metric, a crap ton of people around us when Janet was in the hospital, when she was fighting, and then when she died. And all those people who said, I'm here for you day or night, anytime, they all just damn disappeared. And I didn't expect it. I learned or I heard that this was possible. People just don't know how to react. I am here to tell you that silence is worse than saying the wrong thing ever could be. And because at least when you're saying something, it shows that you care enough to still do life with someone who hurts. And that can be said about anything, not just child loss, but especially child loss and losing anyone close to you. It's one of those things that the fear of every parent who's lost a kid is don't forget my child. And within days or weeks of her death, Everyone just kind of vacating the premises. It's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you go? As you know, and it's it's honestly a place that I wish I didn't understand as intricately as I do. One thing I can say with being honest with your words and when telling people, "Hey, I love you. I'm here for you." Uh, if something changes or you just don't know how to deal with it, tell them. They can accept that a lot better. For me right now, um, I actually haven't been at my church in a couple months, and it's been because it's been very painful for me to be there. Because I saw the people, and I continued to see the people who were so close with us at the end, and then just after she died, and I've reached out to them, hey, can we, can we chat, can we get together? And it kind of falls on deaf ears at this point. And I cannot tell you how much that has hurt. Yeah. I think... The biggest deal for me is when people greeted my pain with silence, it spoke more volumes than any words could have. <laughs> what you've been talking about the last while here, it's, it's kind of ironic because uh, we were at a church, uh, my wife and I were, and the pastor's doing a sermon, and it happens to be uh, the, the parable of the laborers. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but basically there were there were two sons and a father, and the uh, um, the father says, "Hey, get up! It's time to work." And one son says, "No, I'm not going to. Sorry." And the other, and after a while, he changes his mind and he goes and he works and he helps out. And the other son says, "Yeah, I'll be there. Hold on," but then never shows up. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus makes the point, which which one of these was more honorable? Uh-huh. And that's kind of that's like that's where my mind has been going as you're talking. It's it's the person who maybe was silent or showed up and didn't know what to do versus the person who says, oh, yeah, we'll be there and then never shows up at all. That is that's it. And our words are so incredibly powerful. The lack of our words are also powerful, just not in the right way. Um, because that's what it was with 
us after my daughter died, when people who were there just disappeared, it hurt. It hurt a lot. But one thing that God is helping heal in that aspect is this. The time those people spent in our lives is no less valuable now that they're gone. They still played a role. They still played a part. They were still part of Janet's story and mine. The fact that they're not still there, it sucks and it hurts. But it doesn't detract from the value that was the time they spent in our life. Hmm. I, I will admit I've, I have been that guy um, who says, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll show up. And then it's like, dang it, I don't know what to do. And then you kind of you kind of freeze, you know. I think all of us have been that person, and it takes walking through something of any magnitude, but something especially like this for me to open my own eyes and recognize I've done that to people, even people in this community. You know, before I was afraid to say the wrong thing, or when my daughter was still fighting, and someone else had a daughter who had passed away, I didn't want to hurt them by continuing to talk about it if it it was going to hurt them and I was schooled very very quickly on that one as well you know don't ever stop talking to me about about my daughter or yours because that keeps their story alive you know and people don't think about that because you've had no no reason to yeah that's pretty powerful too (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like I've said that like 15 times (laughs) (laughs) amen it's a powerful episode. That's why I'm just I'm sitting over here just processing. So, Laura, as we're um, as we're wrapping up here, what would you say to people who are currently going through what you've been through the past four years? What I would say, I have a thousand things I would say, but first I would say that hope is and always will be real and. Sometimes hope hurts, but it's real. And even when things look bleak, even when the medical world or doctors or whomever says there is no more hope, we have exhausted all of our options, there is always hope in a God who loves us. There is always hope that even though this may be goodbye, this side of heaven, we will see our loved ones again. And one other thing I would like to say to anyone who might be fighting cancer or have a child that's fighting cancer is just because my daughter died doesn't mean that yours will. Cancer does not discriminate, but all cancers are different. And there is always hope. What didn't work for someone can work for someone else. I get excited at the thought of you saying those words and us recording them, but those words ministering to somebody in need that we may not even know. And maybe that's including ourselves down the road at some point. I just, Laura, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing uh, these hard details with us. Like if I were to look up, brave in the dictionary there's got to be a picture of laura (laughs) next to at least in my mind that is incredibly sweet of you to say and i mean that because it's one of those things it's not easy but it is worth it if 
there is one person who just smiles today, who needs hope, who needs to hear you're not alone, it is worth it. It is worth it to say, hey, yeah, life can suck sometimes, but there is still hope. The whole entire time, the last 10 minutes of this interview, all I could hear is my daughter upstairs, like, starting to talk more and more. I'm like, I feel like I should go upstairs and (laughs) hug her or something. (laughs) I love that, though. Do that. Laura, is there anything that you would like to kind of promote and uh, basically you know, let people know where they can find you? My daughter actually has, we created a Facebook page while she was fighting cancer. And if people want to see her go back and read in her journey at all, you can do that. And it's simply, it's facebook.com slash praying for little Janet. I also write a blog, which terrifies me thinking people read it. I know they do. It's read all over the world, but it's still knowing people read it. It scares me. We feel the Um, same with this podcast, so don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) We always go back and listen. Did I just say that? Oh, man. Did I say that? Yeah. Um, My blog is livinglifeunscripted.com. It's kind of the tagline there is where faith meets reality. And I have walked through every season of my life, including this cancer journey, just all sorts of things you might find on that blog. So have fun with that one. I haven't been as active recently as I once was, and it's for obvious reasons, but I'm just starting to get back to doing it again. Yeah, I know. I know for me personally, uh, I was I was on Janet's Facebook page uh, earlier today and just going through that. I think I, mm-hmm. I think I scrolled back as far as uh, a year and a half, two years, mm. and just uh, kind of feel like I was reliving that, even though I didn't live it in the first place, but but living that alongside of you and just to see all the hashtag remember the love over yeah. and over again in your posts, it's just so encouraging. That actually started a an entire movement with a local um, organization. They kind of grabbed a hold of that hashtag and ran with it in a way. Well, they had, they did ask, but for other kids who have passed away, whether it's from cancer or whatever, they go on the anniversary of the child's death. And the, Janet was the first one they did this with us. They went and filled our yard with little tiny yard signs. And if you go back, you could probably find pictures of it on there. I yeah, I did. It. No, I saw it. And they did that, but they've started this movement. And since Janet, there have been three they've done this with, but they call it, you know, simply remember the love and they go that they go and do that with other families now. And it's all because Janet's kind of final parting gift to the world was remember the love. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, it's hard and it was something hugely personal, but it was something that I know it would make her so happy to know that other people are getting to smile and stuff because of, of that and because of what she went through. That's that's amazing. It's powerful. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an honor to talk to you guys and even more to be able to tell a little bit of our story and to share the hope that kind of has sustained us through it. Yeah, I I I hope this finds others well and I think that it will. And 
I, I honestly I can't thank you enough for for coming on and sharing with us. Well, you're welcome. Laura Pruno, everybody. Dude, what like a power punch of wisdom. Raw, honest. If that's like if that's a word, power punch. <laughs> Dude, I like okay, for those of those of you listening to podcasts, there is a conversational tone that you may experience at church, which is really fake. Yeah. It's just, "Hey, how's the weather? Dude, your beard. Nice." Yeah. And then you're you know, you move on your long way praying for you, bro. And then there's like conversations. You in that word? Yeah. <laughs> then there's like conversations you have with people that are like real. Well, the same thing goes with like podcasts. Like we say hi, and then we have this awkward sort of amateur, but trying to be professional podcast discussion where we sound really smart, but we're not. So we edit things to make us sound really cool. Yeah. But then after we do our interviews, we hang out for a little bit. And Laura's an awesome person. Yes, she is. Just uh, just to get to, you know, cut back and just tell things how they are and absolutely and just be real. Like, I appreciate her so much for coming on, sharing her story and just hanging out with us. Yeah. So, Laura, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And gosh, I hope listener, I hope this podcast finds you well. Yeah. And I hope that in some way it can be an encouragement. But for those of you who are in situations like me where, Jason, I have not experienced a lot of uh death in my family i mean we're all relatively healthy and uh but i know the day is coming when i'm gonna have i'm gonna have to say goodbye to some people that i love very much and i think i'll have to go back and listen to this episode again and listen to the wise words from laura it's definitely gonna be a resource for me so uh this is this is one of those things I'll, i'll keep coming back to kind of like our prison episode all the way back to number six i still listen to that one from time to time uh, this, this, like you said, Jason, that's a very good, this is a resource. Yeah. I hope it's, I hope it's shareable. Yeah. So, but you know what else is shareable, Jason? Oh, nice, nice transition there. Five stars, Alex. Five star reviews. So no, I was giving you a five star. I'm giving a five star review right now just for your transition. Oh, thank you so much. Jason, here's the thing that's crazy. I came up with these two characters. Yeah. Uh, which I, I just I just call them and it's kind of weird. Hey, I call him Timmy Good and the Stranger. Jeez, mister, where did you come from? Never <laughs> and the past you couple episodes I that we've done, do uh, yeah, we have aired this commercial where this, there's a boy Very named good. Timmy Very and there's a stranger good. that you keeps asking him to leave five star reviews. And if you haven't, if you can't tell by now, there's only been two like episodes, I guess you could say, of Timmy and the Stranger. They're progressively getting the stranger is asking Timmy to do more. I don't know, nefarious things. I'm, I'm excited to hear what's to come. So look forward to more Timmy and the Stranger uh, commercials, but they kind of work. Isn't that illegal? Only if you get caught. Anyways, by stealing someone's smartphone, you can access their podcast app and leave a five-star review using their account. Gee, mister, that sounds dishonest. Well, Timmy, if you want to help your favorite podcasts, you got to do whatever it takes, right? I guess. That settles it. You run along and start stealing those smartphones like a good little boy. Okay. That's the spirit. You're making your country and your family proud. Leave a five-star review today. It's the American thing to do.
So, we have two five-star reviews to read, and also, we had we got three five-star reviews total, but I don't know if it's just the way iTunes is set up. I can only read two of them, so if you're that 33rd person that left us a five-star review, I'm sorry, I can't read it, but... You can also leave a review and not leave a comment underneath it. So if you just yeah. want to leave a five-star review, we'll take those as well. It all goes towards people seeing our podcast more. Or listening to it more. Yeah, I guess they're, the not, they're not seeing it. Yeah. I guess maybe, Idiot. eventually. Is that a hint, Jason? Do you more want to go to video? I do want to go to video. Well, we'll talk about we'll that talk later. We'll talk about that later. Uh, so I, this one is called uh, Full of Grace and Truth from... I'm going to butcher this name. Uh... Bella Bahauser. So that sounds right. Sure. I'm Bella Bahauser. If that's not the way it's pronounced, I am so sorry. Sorry. Like a I'm sorry about I'm sorry about that. Uh, of the various podcasts, this is what this is what they write. Uh, of the various podcasts by Christian reconstructing their faith. This is probably my favorite. Jason and Alex have top guests and honestly work through tough questions and topics that Christians are facing today. But what sets it apart is the commitment to grace and truth. I'm thankful for it. Being clean is something I can propose to friends inside and outside the church. This is the this is the best part. Always keep your stick on the ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, only one person so far has gotten where that reference comes from. Who was it? Uh, Annie. Oh, yeah. Annie Cooper. Yeah, Annie. She's the only person who has gotten... Well, James. James. Well, James oh, does, he knows. Yeah. His dad is the biggest fan of the show, where we got that from. Okay. So, anyway, speaking of shows, there's a podcaster out there who has an amazing show. And here's the thing. I'm going to call him a liar right now. Oh. So, Brandon Andrus sent us a five-star review. And his starts off with this. The nicest guys in podcasting. That's complete BS. Because he knows deep down inside that he's the nicest guy he in podcasting. He was My on our goodness. legalism episode. Super nice dude. He writes that to me. I'm like, you're a liar, Brandon. You're the nicest guy. <laughs> no, you're the nicest. No, you're the nicest. <laughs> I think I... Because I, I, no, I didn't leave him a review yet for his podcast, Outside the Wall. So I went and went on his yeah. and said, no, you're the nicest. <laughs> so hopefully that kind of, you know, starts something going on there. Yeah. Anyway, this is what Brandon says to us. He says... I love listening to Not Your Pastor's podcast. Besides digging into really great topics and having great guests, Alex and Jason are genuinely the nicest guys on the internet, and they are not afraid to laugh at themselves. That is that's that's very, true. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, in the age of great uh, cynicism, it is so refreshing to have such positivity and selflessness, even when they disagree. Brandon, dude. I, I feel like two, I don't. I feel like, like I don't deserve his nice words. No, those are two really nice reviews of people saying some pretty awesome stuff. About Absolutely, us. and uh, hey, the same goes for anybody out there. We will literally read anything that you put in a five star review. If it's something nice, we'll read it. If it's something completely wacky and off the walls, it's my job to read it. So I'll do it. I'll do it. So Jason, what do you got in closing? Anything else? Uh, any housekeeping things that you want to announce? Um, yeah, I want people, we're still low on sermons. Yeah. So if you have a sermon or a Jesus talk or whatever you want to call it that story. you feel comfortable with, a story, a testimony, if you want to use a very churchy word, you could call it that. But Why did just, you sound constipated just now? Like That's just, that's my church voice. Your church voice is, uh, Cleveland, hey. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Uh, Cle- this is from The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> the scientist, I can't remember his name. 
Amazing Cleveland. Professor Fink. Oh, yeah. If I met a Christian that talked like that, I'd be like, man, the Holy Spirit needs to fix your voice. Sorry. 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 Oh, Dan man. Taylor rubbing off on me. Yeah, no, we need some sermons. We need some more. So yeah. send them in. Don't be shy. Please but. send them in. And guess what? There's somebody out there that may need to hear your story. Yeah, so, just like Laura's, man. Yeah. Pulpit number seven. And then we have her on the show and it's amazing. So definitely leave a sermon and just connect with us on Facebook, on Twitter. And what's the, Instagram? Yeah, we're on all three of those. And visit our website. Absolutely. So, Jason, in closing, um, I just read a story, and this kind of ties into like uh, an- another childhood favorite uh, program that you and I both watched yeah. quite frequently. Uh, Sean White, or Sean Weiss, sorry, I messed up his name. Uh, he, he played Goldberg in The Mighty Ducks. He, he recently just got arrested for possession of crystal meth. Oh, man. As he's going into the correctional system, what's the one thing you'd like to say to him? Um, well, it's hard not to think of the words of Emilio Estevez, our coach Bombay. Nice save, Goldberg. We'll get him in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going to say, you know what? Goldberg, always keep your stick on the ice. That's right. <laughs>